Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew for the WGC match play and also going to give some Corrales takes here as well because uh, you you can bet your ass that I will be betting the Corrales event. I mean, that's my that's my that's my that's my guys, right? Adam Shank is a nine thousand dollar player there, right? Luke List is a jam. Brandon Wu is a jam. I mean, all the guys who have come on the take cast are there um, at the Corrales, so I, I will be bigly tuned in to that event. Uh, but the match play, I mean, this is uh, this is the week for the game theory grinders to get after it, Colin. Yeah, it's fun. It's um, I guess the third year now that they've had this for a DFS event last year was canceled. So, um, and I think it's changed a little bit. I think the first year, you know, we can talk about rules and stuff, but I think the first year there were like 20% of the lineups dead from just even the most basic rules that definitely got lower the second year and it'll get lower again this year. So that stuff's changed, but the bracket style is good. The sweat's pretty good. And it's just a nice change of pace in the schedule. Yeah. Um, so let's do a little bit of a course breakdown before we get into uh, the game theory uh, and, and some touts. So uh, what, what do we have here for the course? Yeah, I mean, it's at Austin Country Club, um, could beat that course, but it's a little more forgiving in some of the missed spots. So I think you can get away with it more off the tee a little bit. And um, yeah, like risk reward is hard. Like there's no strokes gain data from this, right? There's no stroke play data from this event. They have had it here five years. We've definitely seen everything from like a, a elite player final to Kevin Kisner, you know, being on the heater the past two times they've had this. And um, it's kind of hard to tease out with any real accuracy what type of course fit is. Um, and I think the other piece that people probably get a little too deep into is like match play prowess. And the last time that they had this, I think, Ian Poulter was like 35% rostered, something like that, because people are just beating on the the drums of the match play um, record and things like that. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's some something to that stuff, but I feel like maybe it's overplayed this week. Yeah. So I think probably the way that this makes most sense to break down is let's just go pod by pod and talk about guys that we think are good get you know because obviously it's all about it's all about getting out of the pod and getting into the the bracket after that um and we don't have to, you know we don't have to break down like we're not, we don't have to be here for an hour and a half going through everyone yeah, but just exactly. being like this is a pod to target this is not a pod to target the first one is dj nah adam long robert mcintyre um nah is a guy you're gonna get a lot of using the optimizer but i actually think for the price that you're getting on the guys that Adam Long makes more sense to take out of this group and and because I think Nas is just going to be one of those guys who gets overowned relative to his chances to beat Long and DJ and McIntyre is is a, an X out. Yeah, and, and that's let's just like level set. The odds of somebody getting out of the group are not that high, right? Like DJ is yes. 40% to get out of the group per the data golf work and that means that it's a 60% chance he doesn't get out. So like it's going to feel like there are upsets happening all over the place, but the reality is that's how it's going to play out. It's going to be extremely hard to get lineups with all your golfers getting out of the group and even harder to get them deep into the event. So I think you need to level set with that a little bit. Um, yeah. Now nah, we do have is the most popular of the punts in this group, kind of seven to 10% rostered. Um, and then Adam Long closer to five, three to 5%. Um, I'm still working on whether or not these are going to be good enough ownership projections to publish. So take them with a grain of salt, but 
going to try to have something out for the people. And it does look like DJ should come in kind of like in the, the 13 to 16% range. Um, and that is roughly aligned with his odds to get to the semifinals. Yeah. So that, that is a great stage setting. It's just like the, like the best golfers in the world are just not that big of faves to get out of the group because of the way um, the scoring works. So I, I do think what we'll see is some of the total losers actually go under owned like guys yeah. like fourth and fourth in the bracket actually like have. <laughs> yeah. Like Adam long, literally exactly. Uh, all right. Our next group, JT, Louis Kisner and Kucher. I have zero Louis, zero, zero Kisner, um, and I, I'm taking Kucher as my stab in this group. Yeah, and I think like Kisner is one of the guys that'll get overbought this week. He's you know made it to the championship the last uh, or two the last three times, if not the last two times. Getting the years confused because of COVID cancellation last year, but um, like he's going to get kind of some of the talk up for being a match play specialist, and that'll boost him a little bit more as well. He's also kind of in that cheap pricing tier, so one of the weird things you see is like, you can't just pick the best, the favorites from each like quadrant. I mean, it's just, no, not it doesn't it work. Yeah. So you see situations where like the second or third favorite in a group ends up being the most popular because they need to fit in a punt somewhere. And maybe they're one of the more valued punts. And I think that's one of the areas you could potentially get some leverage. So I actually, I think JT is a pretty interesting play this week because I think both Louie and Kisner are going to get hyped a little bit for match play. And so, yep. JT and Kucher, even though Kucher's form is just a disaster, like those would be the two guys I would consider leaning towards. Pretty tough yep. group in general, I would say, though. Yeah, I think this next group is uh, also similarly tough. Rom, Lowry, Palmer, and Munoz. Again, Lowry and Palmer, not really. Like I, I think Munoz has just as good of a chance as getting out of the group as Palmer does, and Munoz is priced at $6,100 on DK. Rom is the guy that data golf thinks is the strongest to get out of the group. They have him as the, as the highest probability um, basically to, to get out of the group. Right. Like look at this group. Um, Yeah. I mean, Rom, if I had to lock one of the studs, like if it was, you know, Bryson, Rory, DJ, JT, Rom would be the guy I would be going in on. Yeah. And I I think there's like two things that happen with Rom. One is just the projection himself, right? He's playing really well. He's one of the best, you know, two, three golfers in the world. He has this really weak group that he's against. And then I think the other angle is that the opposite kind of he, the group he's be facing in the second round, if he wins is Daniel Berger, Harris English, Brendan Todd and EVR and Berger with the rib injury and withdrew last week. Not sure how healthy he is. Um, the masters is coming up, but um, even if he does play like Berger is kind of the captain of that group, a slightly injured Berger. And so that's another thing. It's not just Rom easiest path to escape from the first round it's also probably the easiest path to escape from the second round as well likely playing an injured burger or you know english todd evr yep uh all right next group morikawa horschel and poston horschel looks like a, a big guy to take a stand on data golf has him over homa and over poston he is priced way down at 7200 morikawa not the kind of dominant to me he's not in that dominant you know top one tier group of golfers in the world so i think horschel looks like a good spot to attack yeah i see that definitely definitely like the best play like or like the best one of the best values i guess i would say on the slate um within that group considering the probabilities and the price tags cheap kind of i think like this is one of the situations where you're, it's almost like tears esque like you're trying to mix and match so like 
Horschel, I don't necessarily want on those like ROM builds, even though they're opposite brackets, like that's going to end up being a pretty popular approach. And so like, I'd rather have Horschel with like the GT and you kind of mix, mix and match like the, the cheap chalk with the expensive contrarian picks and vice versa. I think it's a pretty good approach. Yep. Uh, next pod, Bryson, Fleetwood, Siwoo Kim, and Antoine Rosner. You actually do get a little bit of Rosner when you run really? through the, the data golf stuff. With oh, So the rules I did was max one per pod, min one per quadrant. That's 20 rules. I think that's the GTO way to do it. You can quibble, like you can argue there are other, you know, guaranteeing guys don't face each other, so on and so forth. I, I am not going to get that into it. But there, I guess there is a case you could make to make more rules. Um, it's definitely like, yeah, there is just if you're trying to make the perfect lineup or if you're trying to make a lineup that like if you're going to need a perfect lineup to win with everybody kind of advancing to the quarters. Um, and I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think you will need everyone in the semis because you get the consolation in the championship for all those golfers. But depending on how guys are priced, like two years ago, we had a lineup win that was unique that didn't have everybody make it through and then last year we had a lineup that was duped like seven or eight times where it did so those are kind of the trade-offs um i don't know what do you think about bryson in general for match play so i was thinking about this when i was working on my stuff like does bryson's super top heavy approach of you know just trying to sting it 380 off the tee on every hole weak short game i feel like he actually is a bad fit for match play like i feel like fleetwood's gutless european style is actually a way better fit but then i was also thinking in match play you're picking up huge advantage when you make birdies on tough holes when your opponent is left for par and that really suits bryson games like a 480 par four for him I mean, you know, that's a potential birdie hole with the way that he plays. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I can't, I can't make up my mind. It's definitely a weird thing where in this, I'm sure like Nelson will listen to this and just say, it just mathematically makes no sense. But I feel like Bryson is really hard to beat in a single round just because yep. like a big number, like a double or triple doesn't, doesn't matter. matter as much. Yeah. Like the birdies definitely help a ton, but at the same, like if you're looking at him over the course of a group, like he definitely can, put up bigger rounds like he's he might put up a 61 one round and then a 70 the other round and so I think that's one of the things that is harder when you're looking at the advancing out of the group is if his scores are all over the place um he definitely could lose a match even if he's like a pretty decent he's not losing to freaking Antoine Rozier like it's not (laughs) happening so yeah I and and I think that I think that what you just said, uh, I totally buy into it. Like you've, you've sold me on this idea that, you know, Bryson just the, the, the big numbers don't matter, but it's all about Rose here's the, like two to one birdies. versus yeah. Bryson, like 30% to win. So even that, like that would feel like a 16 seed being a one seed, but it's just like golf's just different than that. Yeah. All right. Next group, Xander Scheffler day, Andy Sullivan, um, this, this actually feels like a group where you could take the men guy like Andy Sullivan. I mean, you know, Xander does have these wide gaps in his performance. We've seen, you know, entire weeks go by where Scheffler just cannot hit a putt. Um, I don't know. And I've never been a Jason day guy. So Sullivan is a guy that I adjusted a little bit in my run to get like 3% of instead of 1%. Yeah. I think he's going to be 3% owned if not, if not lower. And yeah, I think, when you have a guy who's like 12% to escape the group, but 3% owns, I think trying to get two X the field, it even that's even like almost conservative, but I do think 
trying to get over those guys would make sense this week because I mean there's going to be some random stuff that happens um I always have a soft spot for Andy Sullivan he was part of my first ever five-figure score in, in there you Memphis. go so. Yeah. All right. Our next group, Patrick Reed, Joaquin Neiman, Christian Bezenhuit, and Bubba Watson. Bubba, a clear X out. Um, Bez looks like a little overpriced, but a guy who can pretty reasonably get out of group. This is not um, a mega strong group. I know I know the, the Patrick Reed stands are going, the, you know, oh, he, yeah. never, he never loses in a match play. Yeah. But, you know, I, I do think, like, what's really the difference between Christian Bezenhut and Joaquin Neiman? Doesn't really seem like there's that big of a difference. I there's a pretty huge projection gap difference between those two guys. <laughs> but in my mind, it doesn't. they're the same guy, so it doesn't um, matter. Yeah, I think, like, Reed is definitely going to be one of the guys who gets the match play bump. Um, I think with Reed, I would prefer to allocate exposure to Patrick Cantlay, who he's going to face if – Cantlay escapes he'll face in the second round and Cantlay is going to be lower owned at almost the same price in a better overall projection so yeah. that feels like the play in a single entry I'd play Cantlay for sure over Reed in MME I'd try to get under the field on Reed and over the field on Cantlay yep all right next pod Terrell Hatton Sergio Garcia Matt Wallace Lee Westwood so what's happened here is the betting market is like Lee Westwood. He's the GOAT, right? The really? guy doesn't do anything but crank out T5. So Until last week. He was like, yeah, I'm tired, you, I'm old. <laughs> you're getting plugged with Hatton in the optimizer right now because oh, the op, the opt well, the opto is treating Cheap. Hatton like Justin Thomas, right? Like the same odds to get out of his group as Justin Thomas, but the DK pricing is not treating him that way. My thought is honestly to just ride it, and I never play Hatton, but my thought is to kind of just ride him at his projection and play like 35% of him. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and and Sergio and Wallace, and like, whatever. Yeah. The, I think in the opto, I mean, it definitely likes Hatton at the price anyways. He's not projecting like Justin Thomas, but when you consider the group elements and the price and the rules you're building, like Lee Westwood is – I mean, trash like data golf's projections hated him last week and going into this week, there's nothing that they like about him. So um, yeah, I think in general, I think that like the combination of Haddon Garcia Westwood will all be reasonably popular. So the group will be reasonably popular as a whole. One of the more popular groups. Um, I think Wallace is an interesting punt out of this group too. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Next group Webb, Paul Casey, Taylor Gooch, Mackenzie Hughes. Can't really see myself taking too much Paul Casey here, which I guess is going to lead me into the uncomfortable position of taking Taylor Gooch and Mackenzie Hughes. No, no Webb. I mean, no, just like, just like, but Webb is 9,100. Gooch is 6,600. Hughes is 6,100. You know, I, I, again, I don't think that, I mean, I would even say Webb for me is kind of like below Hatton in terms of how I view true skill level, even if, yeah. you know, I'm sure that the data golf stuff doesn't back that up at all. And I mean, you're getting a good amount of web in the data golf stuff, but like Gooch at 6,600 seems like a guy that the projections like, and that from an intuitive sense, I like him as well, just cause I don't like Casey at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I'm curious where the ownership will shake out between these two guys. Casey and Webb are priced pretty close. We have Webb very clearly the better play between those two. So I'd be fine just playing Webb and not playing Casey because 
my early ownership projections have them close to each other. If that disconnects, then maybe I'll be seeing a little bit of a different tune. And I think Gooch, like you said, 20% to advance this group and six, 7% public roster percentage. Uh, I could see an argument for getting overweight, both Gooch and Mackenzie Hughes. In general, this group, total combined projected ownership of 35%, one of the lower owned groups as a whole. Yeah. All right. Our next group here, we have Cantlay, Hideki, Harmon, and Ortiz. Ortiz, one of the sub-seven gays, sub-seven Ks I like. Um, Decky, I don't know. Just like this guy can't guy can't make a putt right now. Um, and and is is playing below his baseline's strokes gained as well. So Cantlay and Ortiz, I I think from this pod, both look like pretty good plays. Yeah. And I'm I talked about Cantley before as part of the read conversation, but it's not just that I like Cantley. It's that I like Cantley's leverage against Reed. And if Reed doesn't get out of the opening round, then he gets a pretty nice matchup against one of the other guys in that bracket as well. So Cantley definitely one of my overall preferred plays on the entire slate and for sure one of the good guys out of this group. All right. Next group, Rory, Scam Smith, Lanto Griffin, and Ian Poulter. No Scam Smith for me. Still not getting a ton of Rory because of how good some of the other 10K guys and, you know, specifically John Rom project. But if you eliminate a couple of guys from the group, I mean, getting a lot of Lanto Griffin feels weird, but the projections do like him. Um, I, I, I do. I like this group, though, because Poulter, again, is, is one of these guys who does crush the match plays for, you know, whatever reason. You, you're going to you like this group because you're going to like Poulter or Poulter and Rory both. OK, yeah. I mean, I, I think Poulter is going to get like pretty inflated. Yeah, he's going to get steamed. Yeah. Um, Rory is pretty popular right now. That's or per the model. But, but that's one of the ones where I'm like, man, are people still playing Rory like right now? I feel like they're not. I feel like Rory, like being turning into like a Zen Buddhist and all these press conferences and being like, you know, who cares? Life is impermanent. What's what's the point? I feel like people get off of him when he goes like this. Yeah, I think I agree, too. So I I think like I'd be somewhat interested in Lanto and Cameron Smith. Um, If Rory, like I have him as being popular, more popular than Xander and Xander a couple hundred bucks cheaper. And that's kind of the next level analysis is like that quadrant. So I would prefer Xander over Rory, um, just how things set up right now, which means I would try to get onto these like Cam Smith as a mid-tier and Lanto as a punt play. Yeah. All right. This next group, this is a jam group for me. Finau at the top, followed by Zalatoris, Kokrak, and Fratelli. This is my highest owned group because I have zero Finau and I am jamming the other three guys in. Um, I, I just I, I just don't think of Finau as that much better than Zalatoris. And then, you know, just by nature of, you know, the way the rules work, if you eliminate one guy from a group, you're requiring you know, max one from a group and the other guys are cheap. You're going to get more uh, of guys who don't even project that well, right? Fratelli and Kokrak not projecting that well, but I just, I'm, one of the stands I'm taking is no Finau. Yeah. Um, I think I like Finau this week and I think Bless this him. group as a whole, I think optimizers are going to spit things out kind of similarly. Mm-hmm. And I think Finau right now is only like 2% more popular than Zalatoris and Kokrak. And he's definitely the favorite of that group, even if he's not necessarily a dominant favorite, he's still got like six, 7% more win equity than anybody else. And so I think it's one of those weird things where 
like I could see this group being one of the ones where like the less popular players are more popular than they should be because how it works with the other groups. And that's the galaxy brain onto Finau for leverage. Yep. All right. Next group, Hovland, Answer, Streelman, Wiesberger. Uh, getting a lot of Streelman, an uncomfortable amount of, uh, of Streelman running through these projections. Um, I, I guess, you know, just a, a combination of his odds to get through the group and price. of his, yeah, and his price. I mean, he's very cheap. He's, he's priced the same as Wiesberger, who, uh, the, you know, the markets think Streelman's a lot better. Where, where are you at on this group? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a hard group to figure out. Streelman definitely way above Wiesberger with projections price basically the same between those two guys, like single entry easily playing Streelman as a punt. You kind of are also in the second round. If they happen to get out, you're playing against the Homa Horschel posting group. So not like a super intimidating one besides Morikawa and like Hovland is one of the worst kind of anchors as well. Um, right. So I don't know, I guess Streelman is definitely the best play. I'm, I'm not sure yet how popular it would be. If he's not that popular, I don't have him as crazily so, then I'd stick with Streelman as like the, the punt from this group and answer is the mid-tier. Yep. All right. Next group, Berger, English, Brennan Todd, Eric Van Royen. A um, couple of, you know, some withdrawal concerns from Berger, right? He can tee off, cash his check. Well, I guess he did, someone was saying he doesn't cash his check anymore. He has to donate to charity. Well, you know, whatever. But I don't I think mean, he, so I don't think he travels to Austin if he's not playing, but um we'll see we'll see and i mean there also is always the chance that he could well yeah yeah or or he could play a a round or two and then be like yeah so if he loses two rounds yeah i could see him not playing the third saying he's hurt and then the the guys who play in the match three or whatever are gonna get 18 holes of like hold does not play bonuses and they're gonna get the win so there are pretty interesting dynamics with this group. Even if Berger does tee off, if he doesn't play well, or these other guys play better, there are pretty interesting dynamics that could lead to inflated scores for English Todd EVR. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, are so you going EVR- deep enough to consider targeting whoever Berger plays in the third round? No, I'm not going that deep. I mean, I just am playing more EVR than the field. I, I might get to like 10% EVR. Um, Cause I, I don't think I will be playing very much Berger. Uh, the next group, this, this has got to be the worst anchor, right? Fitzpatrick at the top, Connors, Spieth, and Wolf. Because I, I probably won't play very much. Um, Fitzpatrick definitely will not be playing any Jordan Spieth price at ninety three hundred. I mean, th- this is the this is the woke group, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to play some Fitzy for sure. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I mean, imagine imagine nuking Fitzpatrick in an event where all he has to do is just outlast Corey Connors and Jordan Spieth. <laughs> it's quite the dynamic between the playing styles of these guys. Obviously, Spieth and Fitzpatrick, both putting gods. But uh, yeah, you have Connors and Wolf versus Fitzpatrick and Spieth. So that's pretty interesting with the putting dynamics. Wolf coming back from injury, another one of those guys that carries some risk. He was not striking the ball well before he took a little bit of time off. Um, I'm a little, I guess, tepid. I don't necessarily want to load up on him. I think Fitzpatrick, the guy that I'm most fond of in this group, and in general, like this group is facing the JT group. Another reason I like JT is a leverage play because he gets the second round matchup with this group, but we're not particularly in love with. Yep. All right. Our final group, the anchor, Sung JM, Russell Henley, Mark Leishman, Victor Perez. Uh, I think that data golf likes Sung J 
second most in his group compared to only Rom. I mean, they just they think that they think he is a clear best player in this group and underpriced on DK at eighty eight hundred. Yeah, pretty interesting consideration. And I don't know if I can go like this deep in the, the optimizer, but like if if you have a lineup that doesn't have DJ advancing. Sungjae, big favorite in his group. And then in the 60% chance that it's not McIntyre or Long who advance, then like that's a pretty compelling case for Sungjae to, to get like a, not an easy pass, but an easier pass to the third round than many. So I almost think it's like if, if you're not playing DJ in a lineup that those lineups should boost Sungjae. Yeah. So there we go. We, we ran through it. We ran through all of the pods. Uh, I will reiterate I think the the because again you just I I just want to play for first right I'm playing for the perfect lineup and and you know I I'm no soothsayer I don't know who's gonna be there but I know that if a perfect lineup exists it will be with these rules max one per pod and then min one per quadrant that is that is how the perfect lineup would exist so, and so that's what I'm gonna try and make yeah yeah and I think like the perfect possible lineup would also not have guys who face each other in the second round in the second round but um but i could see the winning lineup having guys who face each other in the second round if it's one of those punts and things just shake out a unique way so i think i'm leaning where you are as well um especially in the lottery style stuff yeah um all right there we go. I mean, I, I did not look at betting outrights for any of this because I just thought I would rather bet the head-to-head matchups on, on a per-day basis. Yeah. But I, got, I, I you got to I definitely take. got too deep in the DFS this morning thinking about everything and putting together ownership and stuff. Um, I haven't looked at the pod odds yet for any of this. I think one of the things we generally see is like a, a little bit of overreaction to day one, and that's something I'll be looking for for the groups oh that's a that's a good call actually yeah just like looking at looking at guys who maybe lose or or get dusted off in uh in day one that's pretty interesting i did want to talk a little bit though um about the corrales punta canta resort and club championship because we are getting a plus ev number hung out there on our friend lucas list data golf has him at 25 to 1 you can bet him at 28 or 30 to one, depending on your book. You can also get good numbers on Brandon Wu, Adam Shank, Brandon Hagee. These are all, I'm just literally just listing off the guys I bet already. I mean, there, there is nothing to me like a second tier PGA tour event. It's, it's the best thing in betting. I love it. You do love it. Um, I would add, we did toss up projections for Corrales from data golf over at daily Roto. It's in the European tour fantasy projections tab. So not sure we can support Opto for both slates. We're going to look into that on Wednesday post-lock for WGC. But right now, our Opto is WGC. If you want the Corrales projections, those are in the European Tour tab. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that should do us for today. Um, everyone, Colin has set it up in such a way in the optimizer that the groups and the quadrants uh, and the Sweet 16 brackets are all laid out there for you. You can get more of that information in the pro tip on dailyroto.com, but all of that stuff is available to Daily Roto subscribers. And we will be back next week after a sweet, sweet Lucas victory down in uh, Corrales.